Welcome everyone who listened to him, perhaps watching, calling the audible. This is 2019. It is the fall season. I'm your host, he's the Louise, and I am joined by nobody. I um, mean, technically, that's not true. <laughs> yes, correct. No, um, talent. no useful people. However, yeah. Uh, we will have a barrage of call-ins, of course, and I'll get to that in a second. First, I just want to talk a little bit about the format. It's a little different from past seasons. Uh, Robert Campana decided, uh, President Robert Campana decided, uh, he would change things up because he said that it takes a specific person with a, a lot of ego to do a show by themselves. And then he then said, "Peace, you need to do the show by yourself. So we now know why uh, it's been done. However, here we are at... Uh, Fall Cup's always been a little bit different, so it's a way for us to try some different things. We want to get actually more people involved. I'm just here to be a master of ceremony, so to speak. We want to get uh, our contributors to call in. We're going to get people's um, thoughts and ideas on Facebook. We will respond to that as you guys will message show live. We will have during the season some contests so that people can watch live and participate on the show. More on that in the coming weeks. For now, however, we're trying this out. I haven't, I'm not, this isn't my thing typically, to be honest. I'm, I'm much better as a conversationalist. I'm much better having other people bounce ideas off of. Instead, I will be posing rhetorical questions and staring at the screen, kind of like Jim of The Office. In any case, it's the first week. First week of FPF, the Fall Cup is in the books. A couple of different things this season, of course, other than the podcast. Players allowed to play on several teams. That's definitely going to have an impact, and that's going to be a theme that we're going to touch upon uh, this week as well as weeks to come. And as always with Fall Cups, uh, you get some different rosters. Teams uh, don't return. The biggest example of that, Kevin Wyeth and Montreal's Finest not appearing in the Fall Cup. Marco Maciotra not coming in, also missing spring. Daniel Lazara not coming in, missing fall. Yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of the guys who we consider to be the top guns. No, there will Alex be an article. Alex I Absolutely, Alex Holowack playing only KTFL. So he's going to give us KTFL updates now and again. Uh, no joke, that's actually going to happen because they're nice dudes. Um, what's interesting is I now look at Tier 1 and see a plethora of teams that can compete for the cup championship, the teams that may have resigned themselves to a, an early loss, um, and we're going to look. At, we're going to have a look at that with my article this week. Uh, the articles are also going to be thematic, so myself and Marc Andre Desonier will be covering the league on the whole. But rather than producing um, divisional content because there aren't divisions in fall, we're going to be producing thematic content. My first article is going to be about uh, the tier one quarterbacks or who rises to the top with, you know, let's say other than Joe Mayer, if we remove the top two or three quarterbacks, who rises to the top? One guy rose to the top above Joe Mayer this week, Eagle. Do you, do you, do you see this result? I don't know what you're talking about. Joe Mayer, quarterback of Braves U. Mm-hmm. Found himself bested by lightweight, twenty-seven, twenty-six. Justin Lerner bested him. He threw the last touchdown on the hail mary. You're kidding! I am not kidding. I am not kidding. Big win for Simon Dajian, although he did not throw the game-tying touchdown. I mean, that that's not surprising <laughs> by itself. It was a throwback play. Justin Lerner, by the way, has got an absolute cannon. Got the ball all the way to the end zone. It was caught. It was a touchdown. And then Simon Dajian, to his credit. Did get the convert. Uh, Braves red zone defense. Braves U red zone defense. Nothing to scoff at. Braves U were mad. I do not want to be lightweight in the rematch. Trust me, I would definitely be mad. But this is, this is the impact that we've seen with guys, not so much playing multiple teams necessarily, as uh, the, a lot of the guys on lightweight are just playing lightweight, but this is the impact where you see that some of the top teams in register. So Simo Dajani is able to pull Chris Miard, is able to pull um, a guy like, well, pull back a guy like Eddie Lee, pull Isaiah Lard onto the roster. Um, and I look at this team, you know, Maxim Cote is, is a guy who's a little underrated as well. I like the roster construction. I, I, think, I think it's excellent. Um, this is a team where if Simon Dajani doesn't do the stubborn Simo thing, if he actually just lets the team carry him, they can be very effective. My worry, though, is for those who don't know, 
the, the, the FPF Cup, there's an initial round. You have four games. In those four games, you then get seeded into the next round. The next round will allow you to qualify for a cup final. However, in this initial round, if you do well, you might find yourself in what we saw. Urgence Medzik, if you remember last fall, Eagle, we saw Urgence Medzik having to jump up and, you know, a team like Diablos having to jump up, compete against Division One talent. I think we may see that with Lightweight. If we look look ahead, they have ahead of them two, two and a half Dan's, which, to be fair, they always struggle against. But a team that's not completely unbeatable. Uh, at worst, they're on par talent-wise. They have run and gun ahead of them, and that's a team that's got uh, Anthony Van Dram, that's got Corey Packer, Justin McLean, and finally, Dead Prez. Dead Prez, by the way, pushing uh, Urgence Mezik to a one-point loss in the first game of the season. So there's there's a lot of winnable games. I, I, I can see a scenario here where Lightweight now goes 3-1 and one and ends up in the group of death in the highest possible bracket. But then again, you kind of do want to end up at that upper division, right? I mean, you don't really want to finish in a point where you're not going to make playoffs. So you kind of do want these wins early on. So, but this time around, Eagle, just for the, the, the folks at home, so the next round, the, the, the tiers will be divided into two, right? Each yes, tier will be divided right. into two. And then you're competing with everyone from your sub-tier. So each sub-tier, let's say in tier one, will have how many teams? Uh... Four? I have the I have it written down. I gotta go grab it. And then in the past there'll be like a single play in game for the cup. Is that still the case? Uh more or less, yes. So we'll talk we'll take a look at but that. I'm saying tier one. Let's tier one, yes. Just start with tier one. Now, again, we're gonna do this tier by tier. This is the first week. We recognize this is where a lot of the people get their information. Although a lot of the guys from Tier 1 tend to already have it by by close proximity to guys like me, guys like Eagle. Uh, you guys know us, so you generally reach out to ask us questions directly. Remember, you can reach me at PSFPF. You can reach me on Facebook, uh, where I am, Pease Delores. You can also reach us live during the show. We will read out whatever you say on the show. It's your show in the end anyway. Um, we will. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. Eagle, should I shave? I mean, no, actually, I kind of like it. I, I, I kind of, the beard's been my look for five years now. Mm. And I kind of want to do something different. Lost some weight, so I feel like I don't need the beard necessarily anymore. My wife wants me to keep it. So I'm curious. I mean, right there, you've already made your decision, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, her, birthday is, um, her birthday is Friday. Oh, so you have birthday week? Uh, it's birthday week next week. Don't bother me. I'm going to be busy uh, because birthday week results in peace getting birthday sex. And uh, that's all I need. So uh, I'll be very busy. I'll be occupied. I'm not coming to any of your meetings. Don't bother me. The Put this in a poll. Should peace shave his beard? But you realize we can't do polls every single show, right? No, this is the one. This is the one for the week. Okay. So Should that also works. I, I'm legit curious. I want to know. We'll ask, we'll ask our first guest, Rob Campana. We're going to get him on the line, and we're going to talk about all things FPF before I get yep. back to some of the teams. Hey, Rob, how's it going? It's uh, Pease calling the Audible. You know, your show. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know who it is. Hey, Paulo, how's it going? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. We were just talking a little bit about uh, the differences this time around in fall. As compared to last year, we mentioned guys can play on multiple teams. We mentioned some of the quote-unquote top dogs not registering for the Fall Cup. And we talked about uh, the format a little bit. We're, we're talking Tier 1 at the moment. What are your thoughts, Rob, seeing obviously you know you want everyone to return and enjoy the FEF experience, and for the most part, people do. But you see a season where we don't have uh, – Kevin Wyatt in the finest. We don't have D, the D-Boys. We don't have Marco Masiocho. We don't have Dan Lazara signed up as quarterback. Sort of the, the, the three of the best four quarterbacks in FPF aren't there. Um, do you think this is an interesting opportunity, or do you think um, it's a lost opportunity for teams to not get their shot at playing the top dogs? Yeah, it's a good question, Paulo. I mean, look, in the end, we, we always uh, hope that uh, the, the likes of, of Kevin and, and the others that, that you mentioned – uh, take part in our seasons. Obviously, they're, they're the quarterbacks that are the top dogs in this league, and you know other quarterbacks measure themselves up against these guys. So you know the strategy with with the way we set up the tiers this season, and the, you know obviously there was it was met with some uh, hesitancy, we'll say from some people, was that we allowed uh, any quarterback to throw. So we you know we never want to do something, guys, where we 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 limit the uh, the top tier. Uh, with a quarterback uh, cap so that some of our top quarterbacks can't throw. Because, 
you know, if you put yourself in Kevin's shoes, you know, he's a gamer and he wants to play. And if you tell Kevin, like, look, you're you're basically disallowed from from throwing the ball this season, even at the highest level, that that's you know, to me, that's kind of dirty, you know? So mm-hmm. what we did is that being said though, you know, unfortunately, you know, and like I mentioned to Kevin and some of the other guys is, you know, in the end we're, we're running a league trying to look out for, for the, for the, the greater good and, and trying to attract as many teams as possible. Uh, and one of the issues we had in, in, let's say the last two FF cup seasons is that there's a very small amount of, of elite quarterbacks. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to have a tier one with three teams, right? It's mm-hmm. not fun for those top dogs. And, so we, you know, we kind of funnel some teams up, but what tends to happen is those teams that are funneled up to play against Kevin and Jonathan and Marco and Daniel and all those guys, uh, you know, when those guys have their best roster uh, available to them, it kind of makes it frustrating for the other teams to go up and feel like, look, you know, Rob, we, we want to play, but we don't really feel like we have a chance to compete. And and everybody wants to start a season with at least a, a hope that they can compete for the top prize in their in their caliber, their tier, their division. So we decided that a happy medium this season was, you know, we don't put a quarterback cap on, on the top tier, but we, we put a pretty restrictive team cap. So mm-hmm. the likes of Jonathan and Kevin and Marco would still be able to throw the ball, but they wouldn't be able to do so with their usually uh, stacked Division One team, you know. So that was basically the idea behind it, to try to uh, cater to, to both the top dogs and, and the kind of the, the middle-of-the-pack guys that were coming up uh, trying to uh, compete. And it's what's interesting is it's something that a lot of, the highest division players complained about, but I want to play with my friends and so on and so forth, which obviously everyone wants to play with their friends. But For sure. it's the same group of people that in the past have complained, you know, we need more teams in top divisions and so exactly. on and so forth. Guys have complained to me about it. This is the way we get there, though, because uh, in the past we've seen guys like Vinny Galano who haven't f- felt comfortable throwing in the highest divisions because they couldn't recruit the talent to, get to, to compete. Vinny Galano not throwing in, in this season. We saw Simo Dajne dethrone... Uh, braves you on a on a on the last play of the game, um, this this past week, and that happened because he had access to guys like Chris Miard and 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 uh, Isaiah Lard that may not have been available if if there was no cap. Maybe they choose not. Yeah, to play absolutely. With Maybe they choose to play with with Montreal's finest or, or whoever else. And, uh, and you know, and on one one quick point, Paulo. Or Alex, and by the way, we forgot Alex Holowak in this whole conversation. Didn't do that purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. So no. Well, just to say, I mean, like uh, another example is if you look at Braves, you, uh, you know, obviously Jonathan Mayer is is arguably the the top quarterback in FPS. Uh, he's shown that over the last couple of calendar years with what he's accomplished. But basically, Jonathan was able to register his team this season, but he he wasn't able to you know basically bring in all the top dogs that he's had access to in Division One or Division A. Uh, so what's nice to see is that a guy like Simon, as much as we poke fun at him, who's been you know a, a legitimate Division Three quarterback. Uh, feels like he has a chance to come up and compete against uh, Jonathan. That's exactly it. He has access to one or two of his guys from the Braves, but uh, to his credit, Jonathan was able to go out and recruit some some you know lesser known players. Uh, there's also two two girls playing on the Braves U team, so credit yeah. to those to those girls. And so you know it, it kind of balances out the playing field, and uh, and because of it, we're able to to, to basically uh, put a product on the field where uh, a team like Lightweight feels that they can compete with with Braves U, and and as we saw. Uh, this past week, uh, they, they absolutely can. And we actually was there for that game. I saw uh, Lori Beauchamp, for example, had a, had a huge contribution. She had six catches. Uh, and Constance Miller, of course, we know from her time yeah. in FPF uh, co-ed championships. Uh, you know, these, these are decorated FPF players, although they're female, uh, not players yeah. that, that could have been taken lightly in this game and, and weren't. Um, how... What's your opinion of the Fall Cup in terms of how it's evolved from the first season where we kind of put it together ad hoc with a couple of ideas? Uh, last, season, last season we sort of refined it a little bit and now we've come sort of, not full circle, but we've continued our progress to, to, uh, to where we're at now. Yeah, no. It's, uh, well, look, Paul. I mean, uh, a lot of the, the people in FPS uh, know that you know uh, yourself and Alex and Simon and GM. Uh, you know, we, we kind of uh, we we tend to have have quite a few uh, uh, war room sessions as far as game planning, uh, you know, seasons and and so on and so forth and formats. So yeah, in 2017 we kind of had the preliminary slash qualification uh, round concept. We had some some gimmicky stuff that some people liked and some people really didn't like, like uh, the spread uh, oh, with goodness. bonus points and all that stuff. I like the spread because um, it was going to lead us to gambling. Which yeah, of course, that's I it. Sean Avram was was rumored to have an underground ring going, but uh, you know, it's uh, we haven't yeah, heard much I w- of it. I, w- I would say if you made a uh, top ten list of underground gambling rings, Avram's was eleventh. <laughs> 
He seems Joe to Dad find himself in this back spot. You're going to keep it alive at all costs. you got to keep it alive at all costs. <laughs> so, so last year, the thing is, and, and actually, Paulo, you played a large part in, in introducing last year's uh, format, which I think was a, was a step up in many ways from 2017. But the, the negative feedback that I got from last year is because what happened is we didn't really divvy up the, uh, pr- the preliminary round and qualification. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what tended to happen, there was a lot of good in that. Like some people preferred, obviously, to have their, their schedule you know, mapped out at the beginning of the season. It's easier for planning purposes and so on. So that's definitely a, was a positive. And the way the teams were divvied up was also a lot better, was less gimmicky. But what happened is that last season, uh, last year's FPF Cup, uh, the feedback we got, at least I got personally, uh, was was that it felt a lot a lot more like a regular traditional season, and I think people like the idea that you know, especially for our diehards in the NFPF that play winter, spring, and now fall all year round, uh, it's nice to kind of uh, feel like they're they're participating in something that's a little bit different than what they're used to uh, in the other uh, nine months or eight nine months of the year. So this year we kind of reverted back to you know like trying to find the best of 2017 and 2018 mm-hmm. and uh Simon uh, Simon played a played a large role too in the format the series he came up with some great ideas and the final model was essentially his and uh so let's just hope his his formats are better than his passes and uh, and we'll see I hopefully people like uh, this this newest uh, version in the end we're always trying to find the perfect fit so uh, in no way the, uh, in no way are we... is the Go highest ahead, cash prize we've ever given in a tournament yeah, absolutely. Uh, that being said, it's the, the highest cash prizes as far as uh, the purses that we're giving out to teams. Uh, the, the total cash prize is more or less the same as last year's. But what we did, guys, and that was one of the things I wanted to get to, is that we have less cash prizes being given out as far as like quantities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we decided to do, and what we one of the, the biggest feedback, uh, the, the, the biggest criticisms we had last year was that we were almost incentivizing. And if you guys remember, Alex and Paul, we you know when we had our initial discussions about introducing cash prizes. The biggest worry and threat was always the idea that you know people aren't stupid. They say, "Look, I find myself near the bottom of caliber one. Maybe I'll you know throw a game or two without making it too obvious." And it's not the end of the world if we find ourselves at the top of to, to win you know a, a lesser we, cash prize, but a cash lost, prize nonetheless. We lost you for a second. We lost you for a second. What was that last part? Oh. Oh, sorry. So we say we you know we we did, we didn't like the idea that people had the chance. To kind of you know play the system and uh, and drop down to a lesser tier and, and and put themselves in a position to win you know some money uh, kind of gaming the system. So this year that that option doesn't exist. You basically can't drop from one tier to another. Uh, there, there's kind of two calibers within the same tier. See, I, I like, uh, I like but the, I guess we can get to that. There was one there was one idea we had thrown around and it didn't it didn't make it to sort of the the final uh, the final blueprint, but. I thought it would be particularly interesting if teams that were moved up into a higher bracket would get the prize, like a regular season prize. So everyone who wins the regular season, yeah. because the then the championship is the ultimate award for the championship winners, and you award teams for moving up and for winning their, their bracket rather than uh, rewarding teams for moving down. Like there, would, there would then be no incentive to move downward. I think the problem with that was that it really depended on which teams you got matched with, right? So if mm-hmm. you ended up against what I'll refer to as lower caliber teams, but you're winning by default, by schedule. But that's true of any schedule. Yes, but at least in this case over here, the results of the first four games gives you some type of, I guess, breakdown. Like for example, and then two, the and second two and a half Dan's, let's say they go two weeks now without Joey Taylor. And they go... 0 oh, and two, and then finish two and two, and go to a lower bracket. So they're now st- well, they're not really lower system. bracket. It's still tier one, but the bottom half, and bottom only half. one of the teams that g- gonna end up in bottom half, for example, in tier one, is eligible for cash. My bracket. point, my point is that yeah, I, actually, actually Alex, I should but jump only in. one, only one team was eligible at any time for a cash prize. No, no, no. But what I mean, you, is know, you know what, though, Alex? Let me yeah. correct you there because it's. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, if you look at the grid that that we that we have, I don't know if you have it up on the screen, uh, but that's that's not not actually fixed. So what that means is that that was just an example we put up. So th- so th- there isn't necessarily like a guaranteed slot for the top team in the second bracket to to make it to the first, which is probably something important we should communicate to the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in putting together an example, I, we may have com- uh, confused people, but what that meant to show is that. Even if you're in tier one, uh, in the bottom half of tier one, if you're able to, to get, muster up the, you know, the fourth best record in all of tier one, then you can still qualify for the, the top bracket. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the top slot in the bottom half makes it. So it could, you know, it's, it's actually most likely that one, two, three, four of the top half will, will be the ones advancing, but there, the possibility does exist. Okay. 
So so basically, the reason we put that, it's really just, if I can just say it quickly, guys, without rambling on too long, like I usually do, is is basically what what we're saying. Can you explain sort of the cash prizes and and, and, uh, the ranking system? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so basically, what we do is we divided the the you know the top tier into into two pools essentially, uh, which are, are arbitrary. That we basically had a high, medium, low uh, rankings for the teams, more or less. Uh, then we we made team we we divided the teams uh, largely based on their schedule preferences, just so we can accommodate teams more. Um, but then once they play their first four games. Uh, we basically divide the pool into into two, like like Alex and Paul mentioned earlier. So the, the, basically, the top so in tier one, there's 12 teams. So very simply put, the top six end up in the top pool, bottom six end up in the in the bottom pool. Uh, but then what happens is we, we we schedule your next four games against teams strictly in the same pool as you. Um, but the example is that at the end of the the at the end of the round robin, which is essentially a combination of the preliminary and qualification, we take the top four teams and advance them to the, the cash bracket. So what that means is, for instance, if a team like Lightweight uh, goes two and two, but because of their point differential, it works out that they finish it, that they end up in the bottom uh, in the bottom pool, but then they go four and oh subsequently because, you know, they have easier matchups in, in the second half of the season. So they end up with a six and two record. Well, if that six and two record is the top, is one of the top four records overall in tier one, then they advance to the cash bracket and, and that, and, and then the next four, regardless of which pool they come from, go into the constellation, and then the bottom four, uh, you know, don't advance to the knockout. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's, uh, so so, so that, the, the idea behind you... it, I guess that... Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, that's it. I, I guess it, it falls on me to, that, you know, we, we didn't make it, I guess, as clear as possible, but the idea that Simon wanted to, to put forth, and I, and I commend, you know, I give him credit for it, was that he says, look, if someone struggles in the first four, uh, in the first four games then they still have a chance, you know, they can be motivated to say, look, we, we struggled, we had some tough matchups, we dropped down to, to the bottom half pool, but we still have a chance now that we're playing teams that also fared, you know, this similarly to us in the first round. Uh, but at the same time, we're not incentivizing teams to lose in their first four games because more more likely than not, if you, if you let's say, end up in the bottom half of, of the tier, uh, you're you're fighting an uphill battle to try to get back into the cash bracket. You know, well, even then- if you go 4-0 and in, in the... In the but either way, I Go think ahead, sorry, whatever whatever model we're looking at, we're always looking at trying to motivate people to move forward and to, to do well in the preliminary round, not not tank the preliminary round. Like either way, that yeah, was exactly, absolutely. And in the end, if someone tanks in their first four games to get into the into the bottom half pool and then they do well there, well, they're, they're, it's pretty much you know it, it, it's unlikely that they'll be able to make it to the top four. Uh, overall, especially in the bigger tiers like tier two and tier three, because there's just so many more teams. But the, the, you know they'll still advance to make it to a knockout round, most likely. So they'll get a chance to, to to play in a bowl game. They just won't be able to win money. So we, you know, Simo and I, our philosophy was, you know, most people their their end goal is to try to win some money. So you know, we we doubt that anyone's going to try to tank it in the early early half of the season. Yeah, I, I, and again, I don't think we're I think we we're addressing a minority issue as well. I don't think that was happening particularly often to begin with. Um, Rob, so a couple yeah. of quick questions here. One, you were at the Lionhearts uh, game, and I can't tell if the people what happened because oh boy. we had a terrible scorekeeper that game. His name was Robert Campana. I used to refer to myself as the Cadillac of scorekeepers, but I, I've quickly yeah, become the, uh, the, the uh, Fiat Cadillac, of scorekeepers. <laughs> the 1980s Cadillac of scorekeepers. Um, so, Rob. Yeah, that's right. Um, can I you love tell the us, box score on this game. Can you tell us a bit about the Lionhearts uh, Los Bandidos game? Was it as bad as I would imagine it? To be? Yeah. You know what? They actually the Lionhearts came out of the gate pretty uh, pretty impressively. They're, they're, they've uh, they've recruited some players and they they're they're very athletic on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they they seem to have, have you know began to call like uh, shorter plays and and uh, gun gun the ball into their speedsters' hands. So they actually kept it close for the first few drives, but then Los Bandidos, you know, Jeremy Gauthier on the field and Felix Pou, like that's a pretty strong uh, Div 6, you know, a Div E caliber team. Uh, so they kind of tended to pull away near the end. But the Lionhearts, uh, they, they showed some resolve all game and they, you know, they, they, they put up, a, I believe, a score at the end of the game. And I, I believe it ended like uh, 30 to 6 in that range, if I remember correctly. Was, uh, was Chris Rose a quarterback for Lionhearts or was it Emilio Greco? They actually brought in, it was neither of them, they brought in uh, Matthew Vertulo uh, to be the quarterback, who played a few seasons back with another team. And then he actually was replaced by another player on the team 
who I'm sorry, I, I don't remember his name, but uh, he actually performed uh, pretty well in, in the second half of the game. Well, we'll get it as soon as Corey Wawaski sinks the score to the uh, to the website. Uh, Rob, yes, thank sir. you for that. I have one last question before I let you go. Uh, you are uh, famously a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I want to <laughs> now with the allegations uh, against Antonio Brown, do you think him and Ben Roethlisberger finally have something in common? Uh, it's, uh, I won't throw my boy Big Ben, Big Ben, under the bus like that. Come on, Paul. He's. Uh, I, I hope. I hope uh, the allegations. You probably wouldn't uh, do know, that without I, his consent, right? Uh, that's right. Exactly. That's that's the key word: consent. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Rob. I'll, I'll pretend like my phone is cutting out and just kind of <laughs> hide away from the rest of the. Year. Always, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. I, I'm, I love making you squirm. Have a great Same day. Same here. Good job. Does he say? Did he say that he likes when I make him squirm? Or? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Well, at least it's at least he said squirm. At least it's consensual. Um, we did have one comment from our Facebook stream. Give me from the ever so dependable uh, Nimrod Zivkowski. Sup, Nim? Thing. Finally, the greatest live football show is back. Just saying. Just saying. He's right. It's got to be someone. Might as well be us. Um, he was talking about the Thursday night show right before before NFL football. That is correct. All right. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. Although that was back last week. Paul LaPierre, um, he he's a big time player. He's a short time player for STL. Mm-hmm. He threw a touchdown pass. A great pass, by the way. Um, to it was a pass that was somewhat unnecessary. Um, well, apparently at that point in the game, STL was, was winning by four, so okay. it actually brought them up by ten. But you probably noticed the score of this game it's is 30 to nothing. 30 nothing. So, um, you know, Vinny Golano looked pretty good considering it's his first time throwing in over a year. 22 for 28 is an impressive stat line. Um, the way he sees the field is absolutely impressive. But that said, just game management and game flow was in favor of STL. Dylan Taylor didn't make any mistakes. When Dylan Taylor doesn't make a mistake, he's very difficult to beat. The one mistake was letting Paul Pierre throw. I don't know. I feel kind of. I don't know. I don't have a rule. I don't have an idea for how to improve this rule. But it does seem crappy to forfeit a game for a single pass, if you know what I mean. So it's not. Okay. So here's the easy rule, right? Let's say your quarterback. Well, these cap, rules are what we have. Whether you violate the cap, you're gone. You your Bye. quarterback cap is seventy, and someone who's seventy-one throws a completion. Mm-hmm. Do you forfeit or do you not forfeit? I, I agree. You, you currently, the way the rules are, you forfeit. I'm saying maybe it's something we can evaluate and say, like, give it a max of five passes or three passes or something to where it wouldn't completely incapacitate. Because you don't like, you don't know again game flow. If you you don't want to limit the, the the plays that a team can call either, right? So I think the other way to look at it is, are you talking specifically quarterback cap or you're talking about the team cap? Because in this reality, tier well, one because doesn't he have doesn't a QB violate cap. The, because he doesn't violate the quarterback cap, to me, it's an interesting case study because if you violate quarterback cap, you shouldn't be throwing in that division. Correct. So therefore, we don't want you throwing into the division period. That's not the case here for Paul Pierre. It doesn't matter if he throws in this division. The, the issue is, is that maybe um, because he violates just the team cap, is there a way we can examine this rule for the future where someone can, can make X amount of throws and still use the receiver rating? But then you're also going to run into problems specifically with, okay, well, he's only playing two snaps on defense, so no, no, can no, no, we no. exceed the cap? We, 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 speak it, we, we use it specifically for quarterback play because that's the only time we separate um, a, a player's offensive rating from their, from their other offensive rating. We, we don't do that for defense. It, we don't have a rusher rating. We don't have a... A DB rating. We don't have uh, a non-defensive player rating. We don't have that stuff. So be- because we can track quarterback and we do track quarterback, I think it's interesting that if the player doesn't violate the quarterback cap, should they be allowed to go over the cap for X amount of plays? Or perhaps, I mean, do something official where uh, Dylan Taylor would have to check out of the game. But then you wouldn't have the option of throwback play anyway. So I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm saying this not knowing if, if I have a specific rule in mind. Uh, but the way we do get rules and, and bring them to rules committee, Eagle and I uh, both m- often sit on that one, and we will be sitting on it again this year because Simon Dajne and Jim Kalethris cannot be trusted. Um, one thing I, I will say is we do take players' uh, suggestions very seriously. So if you have any ideas, 
feel free send them to us in chat send it to us by dm if you're listening to the show tomorrow and uh it's a good idea feel free send it to me send it to eagle to rob any of us just get it into us so that we can evaluate some of these things we're, we're, we're a handful of people rob mentioned it on on his in his interview we're a handful of people that, that rely on the the opinions and the thoughts of thousands and so i believe the rules committee is happening in mid-october this year oof. so uh, that gives people i mean we'll put a post on the facebook group to say you know give us your suggestions we'll compile the whole list we have a moratorium on a few rules because people keep asking so no kendall myers you can't do celebrations after touchdowns i'll say it again no you can't dance i'm with you kendall i'm team kendall on this one i voted yes on that one just because football should be fun let's have fun um do you know when it is? Uh, the Rules Committee? Yeah. October 17th. Okay. Or 16th. One of the two. It's, it's sometime <laughs> then. I'm working. So. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll figure that out later. Um, so, yeah. So, that's, that's, uh, that was an interesting case there. We saw uh, Irjan Smedzik escape with a one-point lead. It was happening during a one-point win. It was happening during my game. Um, on field two, so I only caught a little part of it. Uh, from one, every time I looked over, Justice Dupree did not look good. I mean, he looked good because he's very handsome, but he didn't look good at the quarterback position. Um, this isn't his kind of game. He completed about half of his passes. Uh, Matthew Hood was the only guy with which he had any connection. Is Urzan Smenzik a team to you, Eagle, that is going to be affected by not being able to bring on whoever they want uh, onto their team, but who is actually different than the winning Alpha T's roster from Division Two? Well, I mean, it's or three. He's was not on three? the team two, for a different two. reason, but Mike Pierre's saying, yeah, but so is, is he really a difference maker on this team? He's a difference maker on every team, but on this team specifically. Uh, we also uh, Nick Jean-Tron Valet is not there. Okay, although I don't think one. that's a cap uh, situation. Um, that that definitely that definitely hurts the team to not have. We talked about all. All spring long about how good he is. Uh, Julien Bellavance wasn't in the game. Yeah, that's true. Alexi Gomez wasn't one. there. So that's a big one. The, Ooh, that's a big this one. This isn't right cap. This all this, they're on the roster, so it's not cap related. But yeah, them them without Julien Bellavance and Alexi Gomez is is not the same team. My God, how long is Julien Bellavance gonna play without anybody even knowing who he is in FPF? Who? Yeah, the, the quietest superstar. The, the guy fits every roster. Doesn't say a word. Will do everything. Can play every position, uh, including quarterback. Although I wouldn't be, he wouldn't be throwing at this level. But just to say, if you if you ran a trick play to him, he's got an arm. He, he played quarterback in college in in high school. He um, fantastic receiver, fast, big, quick, a very instinctive defender, and the nicest human being I've ever met. I think I actually have footage of him getting burnt on a deep out route. Is that what? the Rogues <laughs> hashtag NR or no regard at the time game. We were talking like five years ago when there was be like super beef between Kevin Lubin's squad and like Hugo Lalonde and yeah. all the uh, no regard guys. I still have the video of him getting burned and losing a game on the last plate because of it. So yeah. maybe that's where his underratedness started. They're like, oh, this guy's trash. He can't cover anyone. That was a, a ridiculous catch. I believe it was Jordan Moses. It was. Uh, making that catch. Uh, was Alex Holloway quarterback at the time? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we I guess we How the turntables. <laughs> turned the table. But uh, uh, that's, that's, I guess, when we should have known, hey, maybe we should start paying attention to Alex Holloway at quarterback, by the way. Uh, it, took us, it took us a second, but we did get there. Um, so this game itself is, is a lot closer than I thought. But I will say I like, I like the dead Prez squad. It's it's very so. Look, Kendall Myers is there, Zion Love there, uh, Jeff Rosenblatt and John Larissa. These are guys we know. Patrick Jason, Quay Johnson. But I was gonna say Patrick Jason for guys you know t specifically to the tier one guys. A lot of guys might not remember him from the Longhorn days. Got a lot of guys might not like might not know him. He's a very valuable player. He's the Julien Bellavance on that team. He's the guy who does everything for Dead Prez and Daniel Farag, of course, uh, underrated flat defender. Um, very, very, very instinctive player. And if, when you have flat defenders who can who can jump routes, that's what makes the difference in the highest divisions. Um, and and you're seeing a guy like him there, pairing with Jeremy Anderson, pairing with a lot of these guys. This is this is a actually I think a well-built team. And I think the right kind of team to give Jeff Rosenblatt uh, to get him to be successful. 
in tier one. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited because we've seen Rosenblatt go toe to toe with some of the big guns. Uh, we saw him beat Kevin Wyatt's squad in the in the, in the spring in the, in the springtime. Now we get to see him. Uh, as time's going on, he's recruiting better and better talent. So I just I'm, I'm like the uh, the battle here. So Corey Pecker is playing for running gun, right? And mm-hmm. he has Travis Moses and Justin McLean yeah. and Antonio Valderam. And then, of course, this team over here, you know, Jeff Rosenblatt, uh, Kendall Myers, et cetera. So basically, it's like a hashtag Team Corey or hashtag Team Jeff type of situation, you know. It's pick your allegiance and, okay, I'll see how it is for winner. All right, I'll, I'll call you up. Hashtag in our civil war. I like it. I like it. Um Tier two had some interesting games, Eags. I uh, I was there for Outlaws Blackouts. That was one of the less interesting games. Unfortunately. Why? What happened? Or what didn't happen? Rather, uh, Blackouts are a Division Six team. Uh, Division E moved up after. Uh, did they win the championship in, in spring? I was on the call. I should remember, but you probably should remember. I'm not getting younger, uh, but I believe they won the championship. Either way, they played in the championship Division E. Um, they took on Outlaws. Outlaws were, are, have always been a strong Division Five team. Stephen Harpersod is about as good as it gets, um, and he just picked apart their defense. And he did the thing where he, he's going to take a deep shot. It's going to be down the sideline where it's his guy or nobody. Or it's going to be to a wide open post. He forced nothing, and he looked great. Isaiah Lard, huge game uh, on the other side. You know, Christiani unable to com- to compete, and um, uh, unable to for Blackouts compete as a team on. In total, but overall, I was really, really happy to see Blackouts challenging themselves. Um, it's just a shame that they, they ran to an outlaw squad that's just far superior. And now we're joined by Andrew Langbert. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you, Pete? Good. We're still we're still trying to get that's that's his picture, Eeks. Yes, that's the one we got. I mean, that's the one I chose. I mean, Langbert's a good looking dude, so it doesn't really matter. He looks good in every picture. So see, the worst part what is pic- there's a little delay, so Pete doesn't there. see it yet. Yeah, you. It's just a bit of a delay. You won't see it yet, but um, you're clothed, so that's important. You're in a forest in a gray suit with a blue tie and some glasses. Oh, oh, okay. I know that one. <laughs> I don't think you it's, don't like it, it looks more like a park than a forest, Eagle, to be fair. It could be both. Langbury, Wait, isn't, a, isn't it a golf course? Maybe. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I need a, a live report on this. Is this a forest, a golf course, or a park? Uh, if if it's my Facebook display picture, uh, then it's a golf course. All right, that is the one. Uh, funny thing about that. Funny thing about that picture. My my pants are completely stained. It looks like I pissed myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually I just completely spilled something all over myself. So we have to cut that image like right at the jacket. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, was the thing you spilled in yourself urine? It was not urine. Okay. Right. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, a plate of wings that I had to actually pat down with water after. <laughs> so awesome. it was just an overall disaster. Eagle, what's worse? Spilling urine on yourself or spilling wings on yourself? It's got to be urine. I mean, at least wings, wings there's... Well, then again, urine has a story. Like, yeah. why are you carrying it? Yeah. <laughs> whose urine was it? <laughs> well, like, whose wings? The answer is always chicken. Um, and, Andrew, would you, see, uh, would you see this week in terms of uh, a Tier 2? Or you're, you're actually not playing this season, are you? I'm not playing. Uh, I took a quick look at the website before. Tier 2 is all those guys that I know. I mean, there's a few guys that I don't know, like a brand new team I noticed, but it's all the guys that I'm familiar with just from being around the league all the time. The L-Words, the Outlaws, who obviously Kevin Pusey did uh, another cheat code of a team. There's Mean Machine. Um, But yeah, I did did notice, I was kind of surprised that Tenston Hammocks, I mean, they always seem to be really competitive. I think they had five guys out there. It seems like they're either five guys or six guys tops. I don't know yeah, why or how they always do that. But, um, yeah, no, it seems like a competitive division. You have Jeremy Anderson throwing, uh, Francois Martin somehow got Mathieu Repage, so they should be competitive. I think it's gonna. I think it's actually a wide-open division. It doesn't really seem like there's any heavy, heavy favorites. To me, ISAP is back, so it'll, good to see how, it'll be good to see how they do, but it's uh, it seems like it's going to be a, a good tier. Are you looking for a team, or you're just taking a season off? I'm taking the season off. I haven't ever played FPF Cup. Okay. I probably should have played with the amount of food I'm uh, taking in recently, because I'll probably come into winter as a snapper more than a, <laughs> uh, a quarterback who can run around or a receiver. But um, 
Yeah, Pete's also, I saw that you took my boy Dre. Hey, he's, he was my boy way before you, buddy. <laughs> like, way before. Mm, when, I met him when yeah, he was six. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> um, Six? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Dondre is... probably bigger than me then. Dondre is a, is a great dude, and honestly, obviously, great talent. He had three touchdown catches for us uh, week one. Um, yeah, I saw that. But another team you're familiar with uh, is Dreambreakers, I'm sure. And I actually, I, I've seen them play not so often, but I, yeah. I see that they win and they have some upper division talent for sure. Like, uh, like Atache, he's uh, incredible stats wise. I've never actually seen him play though. Well, they lost the Red Raiders or Michael Roy makes his return to FPF 21 to 24, 233, yeah. six touchdowns. This is a guy that couldn't find a team at quarterback not so long ago. Um, he went kind of on the recruiting path, played MFL, played elsewhere, and then found his way back into FPF. Do you th- do you think this is sort of like a flash and pan? Do you think Red Raiders are a team uh, that's here to stay? I think if you look at their roster, it's full of veterans. Yeah, and guys so like Wesley Adams and, you can ne- and Robert White and David. Yeah, Dillon. exactly. So you know, Robert White is the defensive coordinator. You can't uh, discount experience in this league, and. Um, I think that, you know, you have an experienced quarterback with experienced players all around, and even if they're lacking a bit of athleticism, like some of the top-end teams, uh, we've seen time and time again come playoff time that, you know, these experienced teams find a way to come out on top or at least, you know, make it tough on on the the more athletic teams by just knowing what they can get away with and knowing different schemes and different looks to to confuse quarterbacks or uh, ways to exploit, you know, zones or more athletic teams, you know? Bruins to con centaurs. So I I I don't... Go ahead. Yes. Sorry, no, I was just going to say that um, the I don't think they're a flash in the pan at all. Um, Brunswick on Centaurs, they lost 26-14, but the story to me here is Gab Wiseman throwing four interceptions, only putting 14 points up. Uh, Bruins are a success story moving up from Division 6. Um, however, do you think this is steep for Wiseman and, uh, and his crew? Um, did Zach Swain play? Zach Swern did not play. Okay, that's a uh, that's a big one for me. Uh, as you know, um, they they almost ousted the process in Division Five B. They were up two scores on us, you know, in the second half of the the semifinal. So I'm definitely not going to count them out. Their defense is extremely tough to play against because Gab Wiseman is an incredible, incredible rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's well, a actually they have Ryan Reedy in the squad, smart. so I'm not sure who's actually rushing. Yeah, Wiseman got well, the Well, either, either so. way. Yeah, either way. Like you, e- the, e- the other option is a Hall of Fame. Either way. Rusher. Yeah, they're they're both they're both incredible rushers. Um, then you have Gab, who's just a smart, experienced player. Then you have obviously Ryan on the offensive side of the ball with Zach. Um, they they've got weapons and they've got experience. And like I said, I think this is a wide open division. Like just looking at all the teams, except for the, the team that was all new players. Uh, I, I obviously don't know how that's going to pan out. We never do, but. Um, it's one of two ways. Either they're awful they're, or incredible. Like there's never an in between. They're never exactly. Go, they never go 500. They either wreck the division or or uh, or just have an awful awful season. Exactly. We'll exactly. For sure. Um, uh, so if you had to pick a front runner from uh, each of the pools, from the Dakla pool and the Collectors pool, um, who would you? Who would holy you pick shit! It's true. I have a pool named after you me. Do have a pool <laughs> named after you? Suck it, Langberg. Um, Dakla. Uh, I'd probably have to go with um, Ice Up okay. uh, or, or or Bruins. Um, and I think there are teams that can definitely challenge them for that, but come playoff time, these are the teams that are going to be really hard to play. Um, and as for Kolesris, I, I don't... I mean, I know the Cup did really well uh, in the winter, uh, EZW always puts up points. I want to back my boys up for Mean Machine. I'd like for them. I'd like for them to, you know, win a championship. They won in last fall, I believe. Um, Warriors are back. That's I, I a big Warriors story right there. Sorry? Yeah, Warriors are back. Yeah, mm-hmm. Warriors, Warriors are back. But I, I think Outlaws. I mean, just based on experience and roster, like just pairing Isaiah uh, with Steven and uh, Svetna and all these guys, it just seems unfair. And then Cheyenne, and you know, it just it their just, their roster is always ridiculous. It's just so hard to, uh, it's just so hard to beat a guy like Harper Saad and, and 
to your point, it's not like he's ever playing with a weak roster. He's always playing uh, with one of the the top rosters. So it's um, it makes him it makes him particularly dangerous. Um, Andrew, thanks for joining us. This is your uh, your first foray into FPF Media. I'm glad to have you on the team, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we're looking forward no to problem. other projects in the future. But for now, thanks for being a contributor to the fall season. Looking forward to your analysis all season long. Thanks so much, Piz. Thanks See you guys later. Soon. Talk to you soon. That's Andrew Langford. I, I like Langford a lot. Um, dude literally watches more film than anybody else in FPF because he I mean, films he all the films. he filmed the film, so. <laughs> um, well, you know what? The guys from Jean Smedzik, they always have a photographer and film uh, film crew handy, so maybe they're up there too, Eags. Um, you said you mentioned Warriors, and I'm, I'm happy sad they're back. They're a team I've always had sort of like a uh, – uh, I mean, I consider a friendly rivalry, whether they do or not. Um, they, if, they, if they don't, they take, li- they take life too seriously. But um, I was actually happy to see them win their first game. They took on Tents and Hammocks, and I, I don't know if this is the entire Tents and Hammocks ro- uh, roster. roster. It can't be. They're five people. Then, yeah, then they're missing somebody. But what I will say, looking at Tents and Hammocks, um, is that this, this is the team that's quarterbacked by Danny Aylward. This, is, this version of the team struggled last fall, and the biggest issue was Danny Aylward needs to be able to use more than two receivers. And once again, we see uh, 15 of the 16 completions going to Alex Joltepuff and Danny Elward. So that's going to be problematic. I, I, if you know it's coming, you, you can minimize it. You know, I'm not saying you're going to stop it, but you can minimize it. But and then again, I mean, you're missing a full body on the oh field. Oh, yeah, yeah right? of course. So but I, I'm saying even if they were six, um, I don't think offensively they would have looked any different. Uh, well... Because it, because if you look at the stats, whenever Brandon Aylward's throwing with this specific squad, you, you, you'll you see... Actually, it's Brandon Aylward throwing. My mistake. Brandon Aylward's throwing this time around. But um, it, it reminds me of when Danny Aylward was throwing last season around. Um, it, it's it's limited in the in the trust. Uh, he doesn't seem to s- trust a guy like Sacha Guerrero. He doesn't seem to trust... Like Massimo Canucci's on the team. Massimo Canucci's a very good receiver. We've seen him play with DGC. How does he have no catches in s- this entire game? I mean, it's also the way you design, like, you know the playbook for this, right? Yeah. The, there's guys that you're not necessarily isolating, but that mm-hmm. you're creating decisions for the defense to make, and then you pick the opposite guy. So if you're basically making them choose between Joltepuff and Aylward, and they pick one, well, you throw to the other, right? So not necessarily is that you're not throwing to Carriero or whoever else. It's just, well, no, the play's designed for one of these two people, so you ask the defense to pick, and then they pick. Unless... Unless they double team you because you're only five. Well, <laughs> well, not only that, but if you sort of go um, aggressively, you know, too low, one high in the middle, and then your outside guys drop, and now you're cheating to the flood side every time. Um, that's that's sort of like the thing teams have picked up on uh, that make it difficult um, to run the system unless. Unless you use all five pieces, and that's something that uh, I think Brandon Aylward learned. Uh, sorry, Danny Aylward learned last time around in fall. I think that's something we've seen Joey Taylor learn uh, in his experience in FPF, and I think now Brandon Taylor has to learn that lesson as well and has to to make that adjustment. Although we will see it now with five players, we will see. Uh, uh, sorry, with six players, w- once they get their entire roster, we'll see if if that improves. But in the meantime, Michael Solomon looks. He's back. Dude got married. Congrats, by the way. Uh, Mike looked great. Mike looked uh, like Mike. Just chucking deep balls. Uh, Stefano Solomone. Uh, well, what I really like about oh, this is Stefano that Solomone. everyone has receptions, right? Yeah. It's not just it's the, the Solomone show anymore. No, and but it, it hasn't been for a while. And what's interesting about Stefano Solomone is just the percentage of targets that are touchdowns is, is absolutely incredible. The guy has, has so many touchdowns per game, so many touchdowns per catch. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, he's just he's very talented and he's able to he's able to make plays and there's a sort of a backyard component to him and Mike uh, and the way they play the game together just by virtue of being brothers I imagine that that uh, makes it that way. Um, any game pick your atten- uh, pick your attention, Eggs? Uh, in tier three, there was one that caught my attention. Which one? Your game. <sighs> what was the score in that one again? I don't. So it's not often, it's not often that you lose a game where you intercept the opposing team three times. And it's less often that you lose that game 25 to nothing. Um, so 
won a Niners previously, uh, Fidiroy. Who went one and nine? nine. That's the, the joke. Um, added Kevin Donnett and uh, Andel Thomas Gordon. And uh, we decided to go with uh, Alex Zubia quarterback. And I sympathize. I sympathize because it, this is an incredibly difficult uh, league to learn in. Trailer Park Boys are a very good team. Antoine Monnier, since he's taken over at quarterback, uh, has has taken this, this team to another level. Um, they add a couple of pieces from previous seasons as well, and this is probably the best version of Trailer Park Boys we've seen. That said, Antoine Monnier, you need to learn how to read shoots, man. Like, that's the second half, that's all we did. Um, hit me up, send me a message, I'll show you what we did, and I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to, how to get around that because that's a higher division concept. Uh, you played against a lot of guys who have Div 3 and upwards experience on the defensive side of the ball, so... Um, Honestly, great job nonetheless because, look, they still put up 25 points despite turning the ball over three times. Um, although... Well, they're still plus three in the turnover category. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They did get the three extra possessions. Um, but um, I like the team, especially the red zone defense. Red zone defense, they have a lot of quick guys. They can play man. They're, they're tall. They're, each of them, are, they're all like 6'2", six 6'3", six so throwing over them in lanes is difficult. Um, they're, they're a tough matchup. Um, I don't know if I would have thrown... I don't know if we would have won that game either. Um, Zubia's learning. He's, uh, he's learning and, uh, you know, he's going to be the quarterback moving forward because the way the team's constructed, yours truly is uh, is there to play defense, is there to, 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 uh, to work as a receiver, and we would not fit the cap if everyone was there and I was throwing. I also love how Meunier threw two completions to himself for 10 yards, apparently. Um, he did not. Uh, he did not. We had a new scorekeeper that game. Um <laughs> Antoine just sent me a message, and I... Oh, wait, no, that was Alex, Alexandre Manier, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. Come I on, can't man. I can't read. Come on. There's, there's a lot of Maniers on that team, to be fair. Um, yeah, no, honestly, um, I'm happy for Trailer Park Boys. There's not a nicer group of dudes, and I'm happy to see them su so successful considering how much they struggled in their, uh, their first go-around. Um, I don't understand voodoo, man. Because they actually won a game. Because this time? sometimes they suck, and then sometimes they really don't suck, and and it's basically the same roster and not a lot else. So we, we do know Frank K, the captain of this team, was doing heavy recruiting on the Facebook wall. Yeah. He even reached out to the league for like, hey, can I get a list of people who have like defensive rating less than this and offensive rating less mm -hmm. than that, who aren't on a team? And we were like, well, calm down. Like, okay, we're not doing this work for you. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> so he ended up getting somewhat of a list that he could work with and uh, seems to have paid off. Well, so I will say this. Frank K is throwing in a division he's entitled to throw in. I think this is too low competition for Frank K, but you know what? He struggled, so he got sort of demoted, and now he's, he's playing in, that, uh, in, this, in Tier 3. This tends to happen, Eagle, when we shrink the pools... We, so, like, a guy like me throwing in Tier 2 is difficult because it is also Division 4, where I've never thrown. But it's also Division 5, where I've thrown in. Frank K is throwing in Division 5, where he's thrown before, but he's never thrown Division 6. And so he's got the inverse issue where he might be too strong for that division. I just think the problem with Voodoo is not the talent. It's the consistency, mm -hmm. right? Like, you have games where they show up and they play great, and other games where it's like, well, this isn't the same team as the week say, before. I would say the, the biggest problem with Voodoo is, defensively, they are 2011 FPF. They're static. You know exactly what they're doing every single play. And... If you are an experienced quarterback with an experienced FPF playbook, you will tear that apart because you we're not at that point anymore. I wish, I wish I knew then what I know now about FPF. I'd be a much more decorated quarterback because FPF's gotten so hard even at the lowest levels, um, and it, it's it's evident when you go see other leagues when you play in other leagues. Um, it's not they're, they're not as organized. I know uh, we have a guy in one of the Niners played in Scotland. Um, can Barnsley is his last name. Can you give me the namings? Sorry, sorry, yes. dude. I know you're on my team, but I just met you on Monday. Um, Martin. Martin. Yeah, that's it. Martin Barnsley. Uh, good dude. But he told us like in in Scotland they basically only play man and cover three. <laughs> Ever. 
ever, ever, ever. Um, it just it's the thing is is that we've had to evolve because guys come back and play quarterback for years and years and years, and you know the main reason why Joey Taylor is in the Hall of Fame is that is he created a system that would tear apart any static zone. Um, in the higher divisions, we saw it, of course, uh, Kevin Wyeth famously with triple slants, forcing, uh, flooding a short zone and making you have to make a decision. Remember when 4-1 was all the rage and then people discovered the center? You, you <laughs> <laughs> I loved, by the way, before, before teams stopped playing 4-1 uniquely, my God, I used to love those 40 and 50, 50 catch seasons. Thanks for the 600 catches, 4-1. Um, but in all honesty, yeah, like I remember 4-1 was like we would show up at a game in Division 5 and, and when we first started and, and t we'd be like, oh, no, they play 4-1. And it was like, oh, well, this is going to be a shitty game um, and there's hope for the best. And now if a team plays uniquely 4-1, they're going to get torn. They're going to get torn up and um, teams don't do that anymore. Teams... Even if they're in that base concept, they do they do a lot of shoots, a lot of rotations. They they mask their look. They they they, they lock from the halves to the outside. Um, the more athletes you have, of course, the more you can do. Um, and the thing is, what's always surprised me about Voodoo is, especially last season when they had this plus uh, Angelo Garof uh, Garofalo. Um, they just didn't have any success. Well, but they had the athletes to, to yeah. do every possible defensive schematic, and they never did. They just kept showing what they would, they would show you when it's cover three. They would show you when it's cover two. You knew exactly who's dropping. So if, if you're at a quarterback and you know who's dropping every single time, then you know where you're throwing the ball because there will be nobody in that spot, right? So that's, uh, that's something to, to, to watch moving forward. But I think offensively, they're going to be too strong to contend with because Pat Sienema, Etienne Viancourt, um, that is a tough team. Is, is Kevin Marshall on the roster? Was he just not at the game? Uh, I let me check. He doesn't appear to be. Maybe he's not there. He is not on the roster at least for now. Yeah. So, so we'll see what actually happens there, but we'll have to take a look at that uh, moving forward because, of course, if ha having another speedy threat makes them even uh, even more difficult to contend against. But I think I think we're going to see some good things from Voodoo. Um, any comments on the on the Facebook wall? Uh, nothing life. right now. No other than the fact that we're the best show. It is. Well, I mean, it's the only, con it's the only comment that matters. It is the first week. Stay tuned. We're going to have uh, live contests, uh, of course, moving forward. And we're going to adapt this. Uh, we're going to adapt this model as we move forward as well. If you guys want to participate in the show, if you want to come on and talk to us, uh, reach out to Eagle. Eagle can set up the interviews. We're going to interview players on the show. We're going to interview. Uh, we're going to interview our media members. Again, we want this to be a collaborative season. We want everyone to get involved. We're always trying to evol to evolve the media. Um, I can say this from uh, a personal point. Uh, I know when I started in FPF, I always said that I didn't like the the weekly extra point live because it felt like a uh, highlight show without the highlights. And that's not what we want to do here. We want to have conversations. We want to talk topics. And we want to evolve it from what it's been in the past. We want to evolve it uh, into something different, something that is more engaging uh, for you, for you, the, the listeners and the viewers. So for those who do watch live, continue to do so. We're going to try and reward you with uh, more interactions. We're, we're having meetings about that to, to find ways to get you more involved. And for those who do not yet listen or watch live, um, know that, you know, there, there's going to be reasons to do so. So it might be appointment television for a while. We're also going to scale this back a little bit. We're going to make this a little bit e easier so it'll run into Thursday Night Football rather than through Thursday Night Football. Uh, all this stuff will be ad uh, adjusted in time. I thank you all in advance for your patience. I thank you all for watching, for listening. I thank you, Eagle, for Was joining that your me rap? today. Was that your rap? And I want to thank you all oh my God. for letting me <laughs> be myself. I mean, at least give me a little bit of notice. I started saying thank you. That's my I, I thing. I know, and that was my notice? Yeah. Oh, you had like 20 seconds. Okay, sure. That's so many I, seconds. I was actually going to tee you up for another game. Really? Yeah. What's the game? There's a quarterback controversy with threat level midnight. Simon Richard was QB instead of Jonathan Lemieux. Well, looks like Jonathan Lemieux is without a hold. <laughs>